Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Well, good morning. Uh, man, it is so glad, I am so glad to be back with you today. Uh, if you're new today, and uh, I'm Pastor Randall, I want to welcome you to Lanier Hills Church. I want to welcome all of you that are uh, online with us, worshiping with this morning. I know we have people literally all over the world traveling and uh, people on mission trips and different things going on, and we want to welcome all of you who are worshiping with us. I, if you're new, I'm Pastor Randall, and I get to pastor, the, to pastor this church. They let me every week, I don't know, let me pastor this church yeah, for the last 17, almost 18 years. And so I'm grateful to be able to come this morning and open the Word, take a look at it and see what God's doing. So I've been out for the last four weeks. I had surgery about uh, a little over four weeks ago, and uh, I am back today, and I'm so grateful. And I want to tell you, thank you for all of your prayers. Thank you for your cards. Thank you for your meals, your visits, uh, all of the things that you have done. I wish I could just, like, give you a big group hug. Right here here it goes. You feel it? Right here we go. It's like, you feel it? You know, it's so good, right? But anyway, I love my church. I mean, even in the community, we are real involved at our gym that we go to, and I teach a a sprint or a cycling class there once a week just to be engaged and say it and stay accountable. And uh, one of the sweet girls in the class came up to my wife Dana and said, uh, "So, how's your dad doing after his surgery?" So. <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm like, she's not my, I'm not her dad, I'm her husband, right? But it finally happened, you know, she looks so gorgeous and young, and, uh, but anyway, so we, uh, I'm uh, (laughs) blessed, right? I'm blessed (laughs) to be able to be here and be with our church and be in the Word, and I'm so grateful for for healing, thankful for great doctors and all the different things that God has blessed us with, and so uh, I'm back, and you know, before I took the time off for the surgery, I had been praying, Lord, what do you want us to, what's the, what do you want me to teach? What do we need to be in the word learning in this season of Lanier Hills Church? And, and we finished up the book of Acts. It took us a year to go through the book of Acts. And then for the last several months, four or five months, we have just kind of done short mini-series. And, but I love teaching the scripture. I love going to the word and seeing what God has to say and let it speak to us rather than this kind of picking and choosing topics. And so God put on my heart that we need to get back to, to the scripture and we need to focus on Jesus. There are so many distractions in churches, in our culture, in our world, you know, people arguing over different things. But I think the most important thing is for us to fall in love with Jesus. Don't you think? to let him be the center, the focus, let him guide our hearts and our minds. And so I said, well, what are we going to do? So, uh, you know, what, what do we need to dig into? And I just felt the prompting from, of the Holy Spirit that we need to get, go to the book of John. Now, it's different from the other gospels, the other gospels. The other ones are more historical. They talk about Jesus' birth and all that. Well, we're going to see in a minute, John doesn't go that way. John jumps right into the deep end of the pool. He writes for a different purpose, and he wants us to understand who Jesus is and how he applies to our life. He wants us to understand his, his character, and, and, and he digs right into some like deep theological stuff that we need to know if we're going to follow Jesus. So he, he, um, so he gets into that. Now, if you don't know who John is, if you're new to church or whatever, he's one of the 12 guys that was close to Jesus, one of his disciples and apostles. Matter of fact, John, who wrote this, was probably 
Jesus' closest friends. It says in the scriptures that it says the disciple who Jesus loved, and it's referencing John. At the Last Supper, it says the one who, that, that, that Jesus loved leaned on him. He was like literally leaning on Jesus at the Last Supper, right, as they reclined at the dinner. He's a close, close friend of Jesus. He's also got this nickname, though, that, that calls him, he's one of the sons of thunder. So he's a boisterous, loud, like, guy. But here's the deal with John. What history tells us that he was probably the only apostle that was not martyred. He lived to probably be in his 90s, you know, and wrote the book of Revelations, gave us the, this apostle, uh, this gospel. And, and he wrote this letter late in his life. Late in his life, probably around the age 80 years old. So he's lived, he's got all these years. He walked with Jesus earlier. So this was written around 90 AD. You know, Jesus' death around 33 AD. So it's been a while, right? He's watched the church grow and he's seen the other gospels, but now he's writing to a real broad group. He wants everyone to understand not just the story of Jesus, but who he is and why it matters. And so we have this. And so this is important for us today because we need to know who Jesus is as well. So we're going to jump into John, but he had a purpose in writing it. And you can kind of see the whole purpose of the Gospel of John in John chapter 20. So I want to just show you this up on the screen and look at this scripture. It says, here's what John says in John 20. It says this, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. So two things. He says, so that you may believe. He says, as going through this, I've written this, so you may believe. Now, there's a lot of you here today, you may be doubting. You may be doubting your faith. You may have been a Christian a long time, but you're doubting, you know, and what something's testing your faith. I hope as you go through this series, as we dig into this, that your faith will be renewed, that your belief will be deepened, that your relationship with God will be so fresh and new that nothing can shake it. Maybe you hear you have questions and you don't know, even know who God is or who this Jesus is. I pray that your answers, your questions will be answered as we go through this. Then, it says this, look what he says, that you may believe and you may have life. This is important. He's like, you know, if you want to have life, you want to have the life God intends for you, it starts with the belief in Jesus. It starts there. And he says, I want you to have life. I want you to have abundant life and the true life, a fruitful life, a, a real obedient, overwhelming, fruitful life. He says, I want you to have that. But it starts with knowing who Jesus is and believing in him. So that's what we're going to do. That's what he has written here. And so here's what I believe we, we need to do. We need to come to God with open ears and eyes and heart and mind to say, God, deepen my belief. I don't think anybody here has as much belief as is possible. Everybody here could still get more belief, more faith. So God, increasing our faith, we're asking God to increase our belief in him. And, and, and also having open eyes and to hear, ears to see, all right, God, where am I trying to find life outside of Jesus Christ? I want to find it there. So having ears and eyes and open heart to see and hear those things. So would you pray with me this morning? Let's sincerely go to God and say, I, in, increase my belief. Increase and show me where to find life in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you. We thank you that you have spoken already. Thank you that your word is true. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would increase our belief. Would you, God, would you give us a firm foundation in belief in Jesus Christ? 
For those who have never believed, I dare you to pray this. God, if you're real, would you give me belief in you? And Lord, would you show us where to find life, Lord, as we are constantly trying to find contentment and peace and, and, and all the things and so many other things other than Jesus. So would you show us this morning how to get back to you? Lord, give us eyes to see what you want us to see as we go through this and this morning. And Lord, would you give us ears to hear what we need to hear? Give us a heart that can feel you and sense you and be connected to you. And give us a mind that is opened to you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So turn in your Bible with me to John chapter 1, if you don't mind. If you don't have a Bible, you can scan with your phone that little QR code. or take you to a, a, a link there, and you can follow along in all the scriptures and all the notes, so you can follow along this morning. Now, I want you to know, I hope the rain is over. Is the rain over out there? You know why? Because when it starts raining here, you can hear it, and it's, like, and it's falling like on a tin roof. And if you fall asleep, I'm going to call you out today. <laughs> I'm going to call you out. As a matter of fact, I'll get somebody with those cattle prodders. We'll give you a little shock, right? To wake you up this morning. So don't you guys fall asleep on me. I, but I, I, listen, here, I want to just be honest with you before we jump into Scripture. Every time I take a, a, some time off from preaching, I get nervous coming back to preach. I do. I get just really nervous about opening and doing this and, and speaking because I, it's so important to me. And it's so important, I want to do a good job, and I get nervous and don't feel enough, all that. So I've already been prayed up and uh, preached through it once, and, but this morning I just pray that God just uses it and speaks to you, okay? So John chapter 1. John jumps into the deep end right from the beginning. Let's start. John 1, and you can follow along and read with me. He says, in the beginning was the Word. So before anything, there was the Word. It's kind of a weird way to introduce a letter or, you know, an explanation. In the beginning was the Word. It doesn't even make sense, right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That just was crazy. I'm going to explain it in a little bit. He who, the Word, was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, the Word, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has, no, has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made. Through him, right? Everything in the world was made through him. He says, and the world did not recognize him. <clears throat> he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, look at this, one of the most beautiful scriptures in all of the Bible, look at this. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of a natural descent, so it's not a natural birth, nor of a human decision. Nobody had any idea or belief in it or in hand in this, nor out a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, 
the glory of the one, the only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Use these words to penetrate our soul, and may they bear life in us and fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So summarize that. Basically, we have this idea. John you know, just starts right off. He says, the Word was there, and the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us and lived among us. And, and he came, and a guy came testifying about this Word. He says, everything cre- was created by this Word. And he says that, that he came, and people did not receive him. Even the own people who said they believed in him did not receive him. And so he came among them, but he says, but everyone who believed in him, the Word, receives life and becomes a child of God. And he says he's light and this light came and he testifies about what is grace and it is truth, right? And so he goes through all this, he talks about this word, he talks about light, he talks about all those things, but did anybody notice anything missing in the first 14 verses? You're reading along because we understand who he's talking about, but if as you're reading along through it, you hear talking about the word and him and light, What's missing? Their na- the, his name. Never once does it say Jesus, right? It just talks about the light and, and the word. It never says. And so if you're first time reading, you're probably like, who's he talking about? <laughs> Who is this guy that has been there from the beginning, right? And created and was God and is God and all of that. He's like, who is that guy that came? And belief in who? Right? So, he, so he opens up with just these questions, like getting you going, who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, right? And so we understand that now, and if you're a believer, you understand that, but he's writing this letter to a bunch of people who don't know. So they read this, and they're like, who's this guy? This is a really cool dude. <laughs> this is a powerful guy. This is not just any man. You're talking about God becoming flesh and living among us, and and. We have to believe in him. I mean, that's a cool guy, right? And, but if you take the whole summary of the first 14 verses, I believe it comes down to one point. And here's what I believe John is trying to get across and set it up for us already. It's this, is that Jesus came to bridge the gap between God and man. This mysterious man, which we know as Jesus came to bridge a gap between the God who's always been there, who created everything, who came and walked among his people, and those who have faith in him, those who do that, there's this gap that is filled between God and man. So it's like this. So got these two chairs here, and they kind of represent, first one, this represents God, and this represents all of humanity, right? And so here's what he says in that beginning thing. He says there's this gap between God and man, and you may not even know that if you, don't understand, if you haven't read this before this or heard this. You may not know that there's a gap between you and God, right? There's him, and then there's his creation, the creator and the created, and there's this gap, and it's caused by sin, but the scripture, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but he says he came, left the heaven, came, bridged the gap, right, and came across and lived and dwelt among people. So Jesus, what he wants us to understand, he's setting up the whole book to understand this. Jesus is the the bridge builder. He came to bridge this gap. Now, how did he bridge the gap? What did he do? There's three things I want you to see, first of all. Jesus bridged the gap, first of all, 
in our understanding of God, of who He is. Who likes sunsets? Anybody like sunsets? Sunsets are cool, right? Aren't they beautiful? And so a few years ago, God blessed us with the opportunity to get a boat. And I was out with my wife this past week. On, we were out just, one of the things we love to do is just coast out, take a little dinner with us, and just sit and watch the sunset. Just beautiful. Over the, you know, we live in a beautiful place here in North Georgia and on the lake. And so we just kind of watch the sunset. And I told her this, I think it was a couple nights ago, I said, I got this boat so I can give you sunsets. I was trying to get some points, right? there, right? right. <laughs> she was like, oh, that's so cheesy. But it is true, right? I, like I love, since we dated, first started dating 30 years ago, that we, she loves sunsets. And, and there's something beautiful about sunsets, all, all inspiring about sunsets. And especially here in the last week, even with that little bit of smoke in the air, it turns the clouds pink and, you know, at sunset. And you can look at those sunsets and think, man, those are beautiful. And you can think, man, God created that. You see, the Romans tells us that you can look at creation and know there is a God, right? That you would have to be brainwashed to believe there is not a creator, like, order does not come out of chaos, right? It's like saying, hey, we're going to create a big, massive explosion, and all of a sudden we're going to create an iPad out of it. You would have to be brainwashed to believe that, right? But that's what people believe about the world. A lot of times, oh, an explosion calls this order. Now, we cannot know about, we can know there, maybe there is a God, and you have to be brainwashed not to believe it. But we can look and say, if there is a God, there is a creator, and he's a God of order, and he created these things, but it doesn't tell you about his heart. It doesn't tell you about his character. It doesn't tell you about who he is and, and his will for our life. So what do we need? We need God to bridge this gap and come say, this is what I'm like. This is who I am. This is, how, this is my character. So what does it say? The word was there from the beginning. The Word created everything. This Word gave everything its existence. Now, let me dig a little deeper here, another layer. In the Greek, in Greek the Greek word for word, in the word here, in the Greek is logos. The Greek philosophy had this belief and they used the, the word logos, not for just the spoken word, but for wisdom and for a guiding principle that governed the universe. So in Stoic belief, like, you know, apo, apo, um, like Airpods, not Airpods, I'm I forgot the words, but Stoic teachers, they would teach about the logos. And they would, it was about this guiding principle that kind of guides everything, right? So they, he had guided all this, there's this wisdom, but they couldn't tell you who he was. What is this logos? So what does is, what is John do? He starts off in the very beginning, he says, and the logos, this guiding principle that you guys listen to, you Stoics, and, and you know is there, but you don't know, he was there from the beginning, and he created everything, and guess what? He put on flesh and came and walked among us. The wisdom that you know, Stoics and others, and even today, people can be outside of God, but know there's some wise principles. Where do they come from? They're in Jesus, the Word. 
So he says the word put on flesh, and he came, and he shows us what God is like. First thing, we see Jesus bridged the gap in our understanding of God, and he did this by putting on flesh, the word logos, put on flesh, and dwelt among us. There's a word for that, it's a religious word called incarnate. Incarnate, it means this, Jesus is God in human form. God put on flesh and walked among us. And I want you to know this. Why did he do that? Jesus came to earth so you could know God personally. Not that he's just a God distant that created everything, but that he's a God who came and he wants you to know him personally. First thing we get, we understand from that teaching. Second thing is this, that Jesus bridged the gap in our relationship with God. From the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them for a relationship. He created them for his glory and for his relationship and for people to observe his glory But when Adam and Eve, you know, when they messed up, when they took from that fruit and sinned against God, that relationship they had was broken. It says in in Genesis, God kicked them out of the garden, right? Kicked them out. Now, that relationship was destroyed. And ever since then, that relationship, when people are born into this world, we're born, I want you to understand this. this, most of the world does not believe this. That when we are born, we are born separated from God. We are born with a gap between us and God. How do I know that? Well, John tells us this. He says, for those who believe in him, he gives them the right to become children of God. You aren't born as a child of God. It's by faith that you become a child of God. We were actually born into this world as enemies of God. Now, created by him, generally loved but not family. How do we become family? Right? I'm going to talk about that in a second, how we cross the gap. But he came to restore the relationship of family that Adam and Eve had. And so he, what does God do? He puts on his flesh and he comes and doesn't just show us what God is like. He comes, dies on a cross, takes the punishment for our sins and, and takes the, 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 all the evil that we've done. He takes that and he has that put on himself so that when God, being just, Looks at us. He says, all those who believe that Jesus died for them, that relationship is restored. And they are the child of God now. So he bridges that gap between the God and us. We move from being enemies of God to the family of God. Third thing, Jesus bridged the gap. Jesus bridged our gap in our understanding of God's will for our lives. Now, even though that sunset's pretty, it doesn't tell us. It'd be great if you can go and sit out and look at, you know, look at the sun, and all of a sudden it just showed you how God wants you to live. Wouldn't that be cool? If he just showed you what your, his will for your life is, and, and you went and you looked at that sun, you saw that sunset, and like, oh, this is how God wants me to treat my spouse. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, and he just kind of appeared or whatever. You just knew it. But we don't know God's specific way of wanting us to live unless he tells us. So what's cool here? John tells, first he calls him the word, the logos, but then he goes on and it says, and he's the light. He says, and the light came and he gives testimony to the light. Now the word there is the word phos that's used in Greek. And here's what it means. It means not light, but it means enlightenment. Enlightenment. In our culture today, you are considered enlightened if you walk away from religion. If you walk away from faith, if you, if you wander, wander out and wander, then you find enlightenment. You know, you don't. You know what you find? Darkness. Because the light came. 
And he exposes all those who have our faith in him, then the light comes on and you are enlightened. And so he says he came in grace and truth. So here's what he came. He came and showed us grace and he spoke the truth. And he taught the truth. And as we look through the scriptures and we see all through the gospels, Jesus says, and this is the way you to treat your enemies. And this is how God wants to relate with you. And this is how you should, you know, forgive others. And he goes through and he teaches us. Now, we would never know that unless God bridged the gap and Jesus came and walked among us and taught us and enlightened us. So he moves from some distant, like God, to one that's personal and close. Why does God do that? Why does God want you to, why did God bridge that gap for us? Why? Because he wants to be in relationship with you. Because he wants you to know him. He wants you to know your creator. And more than just as a creator, he wants you to know him as a heavenly father. And who loves you and cares about you, wants to guide your life. That's why he did it. And when you finally listen, when you finally get that, it is transformative. When you recognize that Jesus bridged the gap for you, and you recognize it not just for the world, but for you personally, it's transformative. It transforms lives. I've seen so many lives that have been transformed when the light bulb came on, when the enlightenment happened, when they put their faith in Jesus and they began to walk as a child of God. They're like, this is what I was made for. This is where life is. See, but transformation only happens to those who cross the gap. Listen, transformation only happens to those who cross the gap. It's like this. Jesus bridged the gap and he became the bridge. By his death on the cross, he shows us, he came the word. But the only way we get to Jesus, the only way we get to the God, is if we cross the bridge. We cross the bridge. It says those who believe in him. Right? Those who put their faith in, who cross that bridge, they become a child of God. Well, when I was a kid, who's, who's a Gen Xer in here? Where's your Gen Xer? Show your age. Any few of you guys in the back row right there? You guys, we're too old to raise our hands, right? So, all right, so Gen Xers, I'm a Gen Xer. We're kind of like that last generation that wasn't distracted from, we had Atari. I remember getting Atari, right? But it was like, beep, 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 beep. you know, you barely did anything. Right? But I remember getting that. But we didn't have all of these technical distractions and all that. We were the generation, like one of the last generations where mom and dad, if you wanted to be entertained, mom and dad, the sun came up and they said, go play. And you came home after dark. Anybody else like that? Right? You, you and your buddies, you had your bikes or, you know, your, your friends, you had your bikes. And the only way you knew somebody's house, where everybody was, was all the bikes laying in front of their houses. Right? You knew that that's where they were, and, and, and you didn't, couldn't get text or all that, and you went outside, you played, you ran around, you got with your buddies, and it's like you had like a little kid gang, right, on your bikes. Yeah, look at us go, you know, and you just go around playing. We had that beautiful thing of being able to play outside. Now, I had that as a kid, and, uh, you know, we'd ride around, do our things. Any of you guys ever just stop by a random's house, like, and just ask for water when you were a kid? I did that multiple times. We're like... Yeah, these are our neighbors. Really, they'll give us water and go to their hose and get water. I mean, you'd get shot if you did that today. But we did that as Gen Xers. You know, we kind of had fun. And, but we, one of the things we'd do, we had all these woods behind our house, and we would build trails, and we had a bunch of creeks. We had the little creek, the big creek, and the bigger creek. We had those, and that's what we called them. And we would love to ride, and we'd make trails, and we'd come to the creek, and the only way we could get to the other side 
as if we built a bridge because we wanted to ride our bikes in the new area. And so we, we would build a bridge, right? But you can have the bridge and have, look at the bridge. But the only way you get to enjoy what's on the other side is if you cross the bridge. And we would build these bridges and we'd cross the bridge and go and explore until we came to the next place, right? But the bridge enabled us to explore and, and have what was on the other side. And it's the same in our spiritual life. Jesus, John tells us, I want you to believe and have life. I want you to cross the bridge. And how do we cross that? First of all, we cross the bridge by putting our full faith in Jesus Christ. Not just believing that, hey, that's pretty cool. He was a historic guy. You may think, oh, he was a good teacher. He came, yeah, he's a good teacher. But he wasn't just a teacher. He was the word from the beginning. He created everything. He created you. He put everything into place. And the scripture calls for us not to just believe he existed and that he was a person, but he was the son of God, came from heaven to earth to die for our sins. And if you have never have put your faith in believing that he really was God, who came a man and walked among us, you're, on, you're still <laughs> separated from this God who's built a bridge and you're still looking over like, well, that would be pretty cool, only way you get there is by faith. Saying, I believe it to be true. And I put my faith in what Jesus did for me on the cross. Now, for a lot of you here today, though today, you've crossed that bridge of faith. So let me just encourage you a moment for this. When we cross that bridge, we move, listen, we move from being enemies of God to the family of God. We move from just being you know, one observing to one that says, he gave you the right to become children of God. I've been at the airport when friends have adopted and you see those kids get off the plane and you see the wonder in their eye. They're like, this is my new family. This is my new friend. These are, this is, they're embracing me, bringing me in. You know what? That's what we do when we come by faith. God says, welcome to the family. He says, listen, now you have the right, all the rights, <laughs> of an heir to the throne of God. You, have, you are my child. Yesterday we went to a birthday party for some friends of ours who had a, uh, their one-year-old twins, twin girls. Well, you know, and those girls are so cute. And just seeing, I remember when taking, our first time we had Savannah's, our first one's one-year-old birthday party. And, and you just see them and you're like, it's so excited for them. You see the joy on the parent's face. You see the tiredness on mom's face, right? You see all that. But you just, you see that and, and you just think, man, how fast that season goes. And I look back now after 25 years and, and watching Savannah grow and I think, as a father, from that, you know, her birth to, to even now, there is nothing in this world that could separate me from the love I have for my daughter any of my kids nothing on their worst days I wanted to kill them but I loved them anybody else you know when they drove you crazy I wanted to kill them but I loved them and nothing can separate that I want you to understand this church if your faith is fully in Jesus Christ you are a child of God and nothing can separate you from the love the father has for you and no matter what your circumstances are and what you're going through, God knows you, he sees you, and he loves you. Listen, this is some of the most incredible news. We get the right to become children of God. But we have to have faith in him to receive that. 
The second thing I want you to see is we cross this gap and be transformed by seeking to know God personally. Not just that he's a God over there. Oh, right, he came and died for me. That's awesome. No, you know what? He wants to know you personally. John will write chapters later. He will write this, and he says this in John chapter 10 and verse 27. He says, my sheep, Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You know what he's emphasizing here? He's emphasizing this, that Jesus didn't just come to, to make his children of God. He came to have a relationship with us to hear his voice, to have him guide us in our daily life and our decision-making and all that we're doing. But we have to get to know him and get to know his voice. He, listen, if he, didn't, he didn't go through all of this to bridge the gap so you could stay distant from him. He did it so you can know him, but you have to get to know his voice. When I was out running around with my friends and playing and you know we'd stay until the sunset and stay outside running around and then you would start to hear the different voices of the dad saying boys come on I mean yelling right it was so redneck right like that you know like just yelling boys come on you know or you would girls come on you would hear it and we all knew the different voices because we knew the voice of our father we knew that's my dad I gotta go that's what God wants us to be every day. Hearing his voice, saying, come home, go left, go right, stop. Pursuing him. That's the relationship God wants us to have. John starts off from this saying, he's your father. And he wants to have a relationship with you. The third thing, third thing, Third way we bridge this gap or way we cross the gap is by seeking to understand God's will or seeking the word for his direction in our life. So the logos became word. I mean, the logos became flesh, lived among us. The light, enlightenment came and he lived among us. And how do we know his word? How do we become enlightened? By going to the word. Going to the word and listening to the word being in the word and we don't have to guess what God's will for us is we don't have to look at the sun and say I wonder what God wants me to do no we take the word and we say oh okay this is what God has for me this is what he wants me to do this is how he wants me to live this is how he wants me to treat my neighbors this is why he wants me to be content in him this is this is how I do it this is how I pursue him in prayer it's all written for us God wrote it down So the last few weeks have been kind of a hard time. Anytime I go through physical pain, I spiritually, my heart suffers. Anybody else? You go through stuff, and for the first couple of weeks after my surgery, I was just kind of like, oh, I'm just in a dark place mentally, emotionally. Was, every time I'd even try to read the scripture, I'd fall asleep or something. You know, it's just like, ah. Oh. And spiritually, I was depressed and just like in a dark place, and and then about two weeks ago, I, um, I, said, I just have to get in the Word. I, gotta, I feel so distant from you. I've got to get in your Word. So I got in the Word, and I started reading, and there was one word that just popped off the page to me, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It was the word contentment. Being content. 
And so I began to search up the Word and look at the Word, look at the history of the Word, and began seeing what other uh, theologians had to say about the Word and reading books on contentment and, and got in the Word and, and just said, and reading all through the Scripture. What about contentment does God want to say to me? And here's what he showed me. He said, Randall, your contentment is not in me. Your contentment is in your circumstances. I'm like, no. Yeah. See, when things are good, you're great and you're at peace. But when things are bad or you're sick or you're going through a hard time, you're not content. You know what that shows me? Your contentment is in your circumstances, not me. And like, I need to learn contentment. I need to find my peace in Jesus not my circumstances. So whether I'm rich or in rags, I'm content. Whether I'm full or empty, I'm content. Whether I'm sick or healthy, I am content. Whether I'm all by myself or in a room full of people, I'm content. And God began to show that to me, but I would not have gotten that if I had not gone to his word. Listen, God came to bridge the gap between you and him so that he could speak to you, guide your life, help you find life. But you've got to cross that gap by faith. Cross that gap seeking him. Cross that gap. Get into the word and say, God, speak to me personally and guide my life. Then you find life. Then you find abundant life that John's going to tell us about. He came to bridge the gap between you and him close and cross that gap by putting your faith in him seek him personally seek him in the word one of the things God challenged me to do a couple weeks ago to spend 30 minutes in the morning in the word and journaling just whatever he's putting on my heart and, and I've done that in the past but Went through a season when I got sick and all that. I'm like, I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm not gonna be consistent in that. And I wasn't. But God said, I want you to be consistent and disciplined to be in the Word 30 days, 30 days for 30 minutes each day. And that's what I started doing. And can I tell you what? That consistent, disciplined time with Him is renewing my soul. What would it do for you if you were consistent and disciplined in His Word for the next 30 days? We seek Him out. We get to know Him. Let's close our eyes and just bow our heads. Lord, we want to hear your voice this morning. First of all, we say this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for crossing that bridge, building the bridge, becoming the bridge builder for us. In your own walk, you could have stayed in heaven, left us at it with millions of questions, but you came and revealed the character of a loving God. Thank you for coming and bridging the gap by your own death on the cross so that we can move from enemies to God, of God to family. Thank you so much. And thank you for your word that we don't have to just wonder, but you led men like John to write down these truths. And we can go to them today and know your will and purpose for our life. So Lord, we thank you for bridging that gap. You did it all. Because you want you want us to see your glory and enjoy you forever. Help us to be those people. With your eyes closed and heads bowed. I want you to first of all just take a moment 
And would you ask God this, Lord, God, what do you want to say to me this morning? You've asked for our ears and eyes and heart to be open. Would you now just say, Lord, what specifically do you want to say to me about what I've just heard about you bridging the gap and me crossing that gap? What do you want to say to me? Is it about me pursuing you? Is it about some things I need to rearrange in my life? Is God calling you today to put your faith in him for the very first time and cross that gap and say, I believe Jesus died for my sins? If he is, right there as you pray, say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you are the son of God and I have my, I'm putting my faith in you. Take a moment, ask God what he's wanting to say to you. Father, would you speak to us now? Holy Spirit, enlighten us with truth now. Is God speaking some truth into your life right now that you need to hear? Is he calling you to do something? That's the personal God who left heaven to come be in relationship with you. I want to challenge you. Put your faith in him. Seek him. Seek his word. Be disciplined and consistent. And let him change your life. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for Jesus and his death on the cross, which paved that way, built the bridge. Thank you for the faith that you have given us to believe in you. Give us more faith to pursue you, to get over our failures and get up again today and keep moving towards you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.